welcome to the Ranching Brunette Podcast. I am your host, Logan Robinson, and this is the podcast for aspiring first-generation ranchers by an aspiring first-generation rancher with one goal in mind, to get America ranching again. Today we have Jordy Lowe of Loco Cattle joining us again for episode number 17 on how to build up your vet box in preparation for some of the issues you may face in growing and doctoring your herd. But first, if you haven't heard Jordy's interview episode, head on back to number 11, Loco Cattle, to hear her and her husband's first generation story. Jordy, thank you so much for joining me today. I greatly appreciate it. Yes, thanks so much for having me back. I'm excited to be here. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. I've really been looking forward to this. So I know like during your interview episode, you had mentioned how much you had thought you were prepared and getting everything ready with your vet box and how it's pretty much just doubled after your first year of doing this. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of dive into this. Yes, I now have an entire shelf. (laughs) (laughs) I've gone, you know, from um, a little, like literally a a toolbox, like a, it's a DeWalt toolbox and everything fit in there so nicely. And we now have a dedicated shelf in the garage that is all things Perfect. vet and animal. And then obviously medications that are uh, temperature sensitive around the house. But other than that, no, it's, it's done some growing in a year. <laughs> <laughs> Will you share with us the list of items you started with and kind of like your thinking behind those items during your first year? Yes, absolutely. So going to my first year, I really didn't prepare for anything other than calving. I'm not really sure why, because if they're animals and something weird is always going to happen, but the box was, you know, things like iodine spray, super important when calves hit the ground to get their navel dried out because it's literally yeah. a pathway into their body. So the sooner you can get their navel dried out, the less risk of infection you have. So, I mean, I knew I had to have something to spray their navels with, so I had iodine spray. I had purchased an OB chain. My dad always says, if you've got no bee chain in your box, you won't need it. You'll never have to pull a calf. Well, that didn't work out, but I did use it. So that's been handy. And then obviously we have ear tags for, you know, identifying calves. Not a super vet related, but it is technically in the box. Tip on those, always buy the markers made for ear tags because Sharpies. Really? No, Sharpie it doesn't, doesn't work. <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> But no, they don't. That's funny. Yeah, I did buy the ear tag pen and I'd wondered, I was like, hmm, yeah, because... I wonder why I'm not just using a Sharpie. <laughs> and I was curious if a Sharpie I would did, work. We didn't have good luck. I had gone when we weaned, well, when we branded, we had gone through and made notes on ear tags for just additional information we thought we might need for quick, for, you know, identification. And it's yeah. all gone already. And we branded in January. Okay, that's yeah. really good to know. Because I was thinking, man, these are so much more expensive than Sharpies. They are super expensive. And <laughs> if you leave them in your truck and they get really hot and you shake them, they will explode. So watch yourself on those too. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. Yeah. I hadn't experienced that yet. <laughs> yeah, no. Fortunately, I was outside the pickup when it blew up. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yes. We deal with a lot of mineral deficiencies in the valley here. We just don't have the most nutritious grass. So we do keep BOCI on hand. We give BOCI to both the cows and the calves. It's just a vitamin injection. It's essentially vitamin B, vitamin E, and selenium. Okay. And so anything that they're not getting from the grass or from their loose mineral, they do get from that. Excellent. Can you spell that? BOCI, B-O, I believe it's B-O-S-E. S-E. Okay, perfect. That way for everybody listening, they can have a way of looking it up and referencing it. Yes. And you used to be able to just buy it at the local farm store. 
and we actually have to get this from a veterinarian now. It is a controlled medication. Oh, okay. Which seems a little ridiculous because it's a vitamin injection, but people can think of all kinds of crazy things to do with oh, a bottle of vitamin. Yeah, sadly. So, yeah, and I think other states are probably much different. Okay. And that has been a fairly recent change around here. Um, I know there are certain farm stores east of us that where it's more cow country that I know you can sign a thing that says, I'm not going to use this to make drugs and I'll sell it to you. So <laughs> I used to work it, at Coastal Farm and Ranch when we lived in oh, Washington yes. for a little bit. And yeah, I know those forms you're talking about because I had many ranchers filling those out. <laughs> yes. Okay. So crazy thing about forms. I'm off to my first rabbit trail already, but so I went in to buy a new bottle of iodine spray because we had calves sitting in the ground and I had used up my last one from last year. And I go in and she hands me this form and starts asking me these questions. I was like, but what's this for? And she said the iodine. And I was like, it's like, it's a tiny little spray bottle. That's the biggest you can buy it around here. Oh, interesting. That, so that, I know they were talking about doing that. And that's interesting to know that actually went through. Oh my gosh. I, it was basically a background check. She had to know, she took my ID. She wrote down my driver's license number, my address. (laughs) I had to give her the make and model model of my truck and my license plate number. Oh wow. They got really hardcore. Yeah. Like really, like they are really serious about iodine sales these days. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is like years ago when I worked there and I remember there were certain things that we had to have them fill this form out for and everybody would get so frustrated, but it amazed me. I mean, I learned really how creative people can be in using animal products for awful things. Oh, <laughs> Working yeah. that job. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. It, it amazes me what people will do with things not meant for people. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. And that's so frustrating. You can only get in a little bottle now. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, you could buy a big jug of it, like it literally like right? a gallon of it. Yeah. And so my dad just always had that around. And I remember when he, it was actually at Coastal, when they were starting to put the ban on that. He bought it and bought like jugs and jugs and jugs of it because it doesn't go bad. Get stocked up. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Outside of Bosi, I do keep straight vitamin B. Some of the bottles call it Super B. It's really, really good for jump starting appetite if you don't have a really hungry, needy calf that really wants to be aggressive and go after nursing. Um, so that was very helpful. And that is something, fortunately, you can buy just at the store. We keep Exceed on hand. It's an antibiotic. Uh, we do a small dose for every calf that hits the ground. In our mind, it's a really cheap insurance <laughs> to give them, um, you know, I think when our calves hit the ground, they get a mil and a half. We put it behind the ear so there's no scarring. And outside of calving and using it for that cheap insurance, it's great for respiratory issues, foot rot, anything like that. It's really good at clearing up any sort of respiratory coughs, snots, all those things. But it does scar. So in animals that you're going to be using for beef, it's best to give it behind the ear, right at the back of the head, so that you're not getting that scarring in your roasts there in your neck. Or definitely don't want to put it in the hip anyway. That would be- yeah, absolutely. That's really good to know. Yes. And I had LA 300. It's very broad spectrum. It's really good for bad eyes, again, for respiratory stuff. It was just one of those things where I was in the farm store. I'm making my bet box. And I was like, you know what? This was always in my dad's house. <laughs> I better take this yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's been, uh, it's even good for things like scours. It treats E. coli, which is one of the number one things calves get scours from. So I did end up using it for that. And I think I had a couple tubes of probios. Just a probiotic, it's a paste, so it's really easy to give yeah. calves when their tummies are upset, and that you can just get at the farm I store. Yes, it's so handy. Any calf was looking like just a little bit behind, and it was so easy to just squirt out their mouth and turn them back out and off they go, and 
it turns them around pretty quick. Yeah, that stuff's great. I love using it for the horses. Too. Yes, yes, for sure. And then I always call it my holy grail of healing. It's called Vetrisin. Yes, love that stuff. It's like a scab in a bottle. That stuff is amazing. Now, do you buy the different versions of it or did you just buy the general one? I buy the original one. Original? Yeah. yeah. That's lifesaver. Yes, I have done, they have a gel one and that's nice for certain things because it's a little bit thicker so it really sticks to the area. So I do have the gel. The only problem with the gel is the nozzle will sometimes clog if it's not getting used all the time. Okay, I haven't tried the gel yet, so that's good to know about that. But in my history, the little farm store that we use here, if we take it back and say, hey, this clogged, they will just replace it, which is really nice because Vetrison stands behind their little pump on the top of it because you can't open the bottle and replace the pump yourself because then you've allowed air in, and I believe it's a sterile solution. Gotcha, yeah. Yeah. Vetrison is a great company to deal with. Yes, they've been fantastic. I got started on them when – I leased a little mare of mine to a friend for a high school rodeo event and she ended up like totally stressed out and got covered literally nose to tail, belly, legs, and ringworm. Oh no. Yeah. She was a three-year-old and all like the girl was just looking to do some like trotting around the barrels, like really laid back. And that was great. But I think it was being stalled for the first time. Like my little mare just like, yep, can't handle it. Oh. Stressed out, completely covered in a uh, ringworm for oh, a little no. thing. That's frustrating. Yeah. But so that's how I got started on it. My veterinarian recommended it. And since then, it heals everything. We, Oh my gosh, we have a bottle in our bathroom that we use for our own cuts and things like that. Yeah, that's what's so nice about it. It's so universal. And it's so gentle. You don't have to worry about overusing it. Love that stuff. I, I agree with your statement on that. The holy grail of healing. Yes. <laughs> okay, so let's walk through some of the situations you faced as your first year progressed and you had to add more items as they became necessary. What was kind of like the first big issue that came up that you weren't totally prepared for? The first thing that came up was the retained placentas. Ah, We ended up, after working with a vet, we decided that was a selenium deficiency issue. So it's, we're hoping it's been corrected going forward, but it was causing all of the, this is super non-medical, all of the buttons on the outside of the placenta not to detach. So they were just holding on to it. And most of them would drop them in four to five days, but we did have a few that retained the point of needing to be washed. Oh no. And rinsed out because they were getting shocky and one day they'd be fine. The next we'd go out to feed and they're stumbling around almost, they, they literally looked drunk. It was horrible, wow. but they got, the vet said it was a shock reaction because of the infection. So we did bring them in. We did FOSI injections to pump that selenium back up where it needed to be. And then a gallon of water, like a, you always want to use distilled water, but a gallon of water eight teaspoons of baking soda and one teaspoon of betadine. It doesn't sound like a lot, but betadine can be really caustic. So you don't want to use anything that's going to cause more scarring because your chances of having scarring already because of the trauma of the retained placenta are high already. So I used that and a pump and literally just pumped into them to help everything rinse out and gently detach. I didn't ever want to like pull on any of it because again of the scarring. Yeah. But we had three that we had to rinse for a while. I want to say four to five days. And then one that we rinsed for 10 days before we were able to get her through her infection. She was pretty sick there for a while, but she pulled through it and Good. she's doing better now. But it was, that was definitely the first thing that was like, you know, I don't know, it's nasty. But when we were kids and something would retain, you would literally like tire rock to what was hanging out right right yep old school and just the weight of it usually would just kind of help it move on out because you 
like I said, you never want to just pull on it. Yeah. And so, you know, I did my rock trick for the first few and it, it took longer than I expected. And then it was when 5112, we call her Gertrude now because we're on a first name basis after <laughs> what we went through together. <laughs> but uh, when she just wouldn't get better and then when she got super shocky, that was my really my first experience with a cow with shock like that. Yeah. And it presented differently than I would have thought at first. It was like, okay, she just looks stiff in the hind end. Well, she just had a calf. Like, girl gets to be sore for a minute. Right. But I assumed it was that, so I probably didn't watch as closely as I needed to. And then it went full-blown, like, cold, droopy ears, um, sunk eyes, shocky in the hind end. But fortunately, with the BOCI, and I did do banamine as an anti-inflammatory, and then the washes, she pulled out of it fairly quickly. But that was definitely the first thing that was like, oh boy, I am not ready for this (laughs) at all. No kidding. That'd be quite the surprise. You know, you're thinking, oh, first year getting through calving okay that's awesome and then now you've got this aspect and I'm so glad that you shared this particular tip with people because I think a lot of folks when they're first getting started getting their first herd or even just their first single cow it might be bred back and they have to deal with something like this and they're like well now what and this is a great way for people to be able to listen in on this and it can save you so much money if you're prepared and not having to call vets out for this kind of stuff and that's Something that's really unique with having cattle is you can do a lot of this stuff on your own, you know, if you have the proper equipment or products or getting information from your fellow ranchers or, you know, even calling up your vet and, hey, what do I do if you're in the middle of nowhere? A lot of times they can assist you on the phone too. So it's, that's one thing that's great about having cattle is a lot of the vet work and doctoring you can do on your own. Yes, absolutely. And that is so nice. We, it sounds horrible. We aren't established with a vet locally, which a friend of ours had a cow bloat recently and she called me and we were talking about that and you know I was explaining what I would do and she's like well what vet do you use and I was like um one in Hermiston like four and a half hours away like because he's really awesome and he ships me all of the drugs I need and all of those things and then you know after her situation I was talking to my husband I was like we might actually want to get established with somebody here yeah because what if, you know, and it is nice that cows are so resilient that there's a lot of things we can do on our own because they can handle it in so many ways that horses can't. Right. Horses are so sensitive and like these kind of things you really just a lot of times can't help them with and you have to have the vet come out. Yeah. And that's the nice thing, like you said about cows, it's like if if you can get the experience or the knowledge or tips and insight from somebody else, a lot of times you can kind of work your way through it on your own with some guidance. Yes, absolutely. And like you've talked before, having somebody to call, having a sounding board, having a mentor, yeah. all of those things so that they're there to, you know, at the end of the phone to <laughs> help you in those situations. Cause yeah, there's a lot of money to be saved with knowledge, but knowledge doesn't happen in your first year. Yeah. I mean, knowledge does happen in your first year, right. but not the complete. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Our kind of our experience to follow up the knowledge. Yes. After the first year or two, you get you get a little bit under your belt, <laughs> but the first year yes. or two can be a little painful of a process. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I think that folks that I talk with a lot, or even my dad, my father, and all these people who have raised cows for years. I we had a situation with a calf. Um, I guess it would be my second big situation for this year. We went to get, I I had tagged him. His mother was highly aggressive. Like I wouldn't even call her maternal. She was just aggressive. Oh, gosh. So I hadn't had eyes on him as much as I probably should have or I would have with any other calf. So I didn't notice that he was slow. I didn't notice that his he had contracted ligaments front and back. Mm-hmm. There were all these little things that with a normal calf that I was seeing daily, I would have picked up on. But I really didn't see him until he was five days old. 
I, other than the day he was born, I tagged him. And after that, the conversation me and that cow had, I didn't see her for a little while. <laughs> she actually came over the top of the four-wheeler. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Hi, oh yeah. So after I realized, you know, okay, so at the time, we'll call her maternal. I realized how maternal she was. I was like, you know what? Take your calf, hide him in the trees. He's tagged. He's had his shots. Go do your thing. Well, she never brought him back out. You know, like they'll bring him out when they start to come up to feed and things. Yeah. So we went out looking for him and realized he couldn't walk more than 15 or 20 feet before he would just collapse exhausted. Oh. And her bag never looked extremely tight. So I was assuming, oh, well, he's nursing, so it's fine. Yeah. But her bag was tight because there was no milk production. Oh. So he was five days old, had received very little colostrum. He had received something. He never went blind. So I believe he got some colostrum, just not what he needed. But so he was extremely malnourished, very, very weak. He had a fever. And I think I talked about him a little bit in the first episode, the calf that we couldn't get right. Yep. Mm -hmm. That was Hank. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was one thing after another. And unfortunately, we lost him in February. But I am so grateful for his little life and the time he spent here because of all of the cows we have. I learned so much just from Hank. Yeah. He was my teacher. It was fantastic. I learned about toxic gut. I learned about, we weren't able to straighten the ligaments in his, or the tendons in his front legs because he was five days old. So it was too late to use LA 100. I learned about how to fix scours when nothing else happens. I so many things. And I'm so grateful for his little life while he was here. He was wonderful, but he was one of those where I would call our friends in Echo and be like, okay, so here's the puzzle today. And they didn't even know. So I guess my point of my giant rabbit hole here is even somebody who's been ranching in the family for generations and generations, they're still learning things. Yeah. So to assume that I'm going to learn everything in my first year (laughs) would have been crazy. (laughs) Oh gosh, but what a blessing that calf was in his short little life to teach you all those things because going forward now, you know, you have all that experience and as heartbreaking as it is to lose a calf, like you said, he taught you so much that you can now carry forward. So essentially he's living on and I know that sounds really uh, sentimental and emotional, but you know, that was his purpose. And I think that's so unique and just what a neat story going forward. Yes, exactly. I I called my dad one day because he didn't get enough colostrum. And we had given him colostrum that had milked from a cow that had lost her calf. But he was five days old. So his body's ability to absorb it was fairly well gone because at a certain point they stop absorbing those things. They stop being able to use them. So we went ahead and did that. But, you know, he's still going to have all of these issues because it wasn't he just didn't get the start he needed. So he ended up with toxic gut. So he didn't have the right good bacteria in his stomach to keep his guts moving. So he would literally go from being totally fine and nursing, drinking his bottle in the morning to looking like a beach ball. Oh. Like he would just bloat up huge and he'd look like this, a beach ball with legs. Oh. Like it sounds funny now, but it was so sad because he was so uncomfortable. And it was, I think the third or fourth time he'd done it. And uh, the treatment is large amounts of penicillin orally okay, to help kill all of that bad bacteria that's building up. But again, it would just slowly build and build and build. And then once it hit like, I don't know, it's peak growing, it would just explode. And that's when you end up with this crazy bloat. Wow. But I call my dad because I feel like this calf is just dying in front of me and there's nothing. I, I feel like I've done everything I can. And so he's like, well, you know, this sucks, but maybe his purpose was to teach you. He's here 
to teach you. And he's like, you know, I know it's not fun to hear, but maybe he's taught you what, you know, he was here to teach and it's his time to move on. That night I gave him a whole bunch of banamine and a whole bunch of ACE. <laughs> and I prayed that it would be over in the morning. And that little sucker came running to the gate the next morning. <laughs> it sounds so horrible, but he had just been so sick. I just hoped that this is just going to be it. Oh no. Oh. Nope. The next morning. I think he lived two more months after that. Wow. Yeah. He was the, yeah, he was a funny little bugger, but, um, oh my gosh. no, he, he taught us a lot and I have a list of notes, like everything we, we would encounter with him. I'd write it down. I write my symptoms and then I'd start making my phone calls Yeah. <laughs> and I'd write everyone's ideas down. And so it's nice to have all that. So, I mean, you always hope you don't have a sick calf, but when it happens, I've got my, I've got my Hank notebook Yeah, <laughs> of all the weird stuff. That's fantastic that you documented all that because keeping a cow-calf record book is so important and writing those notes, even if it seems so simple or small, you never know when you're going to need that again for, you know, your next calving season or the calving season after that. So it's so smart that you documented that. And I strongly encourage anyone who's just getting started in this to take more notes than you think is necessary. Yeah. Because you don't know if you're going to need it again and you're going to forget things. And it's nice to be able to go back and reflect on that. Yes, absolutely. And in stressful situations, it's really hard to reach back in your brain and think of all of those little things. Yeah. So to be able to sit down and just kind of flip through it and look at it, I think I'm hoping will be really helpful in the future so that I don't have to... I know those phone calls will always be there, but maybe someday I won't have to make one of those phone calls. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So how did you yep. address the scours with him? What was your treatment for that? So he drank a lot of Pepto okay. in his milk and that would help. And for our folks listening in who may be totally new to this, will you explain the Pepto that you used for him? Okay. So Pepto, literally go to the grocery store and buy bottles of Pepto. Uh, you can put it in their milk. And so it's really easy to get down them, but it does the same thing for calves that it does for people. It just coats the tummy, makes them feel better. A lot of the times, if you can't get on top of the scours, one of the biggest battles you'll fight is the discomfort in their stomach more so than the diarrhea itself. Yeah. Because they, I mean, the diarrhea dehydrates them and all those things, but when their tummy really, really hurts, they're not going to eat. And there's no way to get the electrolytes and nutrients back into them if you can't get them nursing. Absolutely. I remember being so shocked when uh, I was talking with some other ranchers and they were talking about this and I have not encountered scours yet. I know it's kind of more of a, not a matter of if, but when, Yep. and they were talking about Pepto and I'm like, you mean Pepto-Bismol that you can just get at the grocery store? They're like, yep, that's what we mean. And I was so shocked to be like, oh, okay, that's simple enough. And it's super easy to just go to the grocery store and get that. But I remember just thinking, wow, how can it be that easy? Cause I've had horses my whole life and nothing is simple with them. No, horses are so complicated. You know, if, if a horse is colicking, you can't use something simple no. to treat that. You know, that's a vet call. And then a cow's got all these issues. And a lot of times, you know, baking soda and Pepto and all these simple things that you can use that are cheap and easily accessible. And it was just fascinating the first time I heard that. Yes. And the other thing, well, these easy household things, something you go to the grocery store for. I was talking to a dairyman. We live right next to a dairy. And so I see him every once in a while. And Hank was the free range calf. He was just he was too weak to really go anywhere. So we just let him have run of the place. And so he'd see him and ask how he was doing. And I said, I'm just really fighting the scours with him. And he says, he looks at me and he just goes, pumpkin. Pumpkin? And I was like, I was like, no, his name's Hank. And he's like, no, pumpkin. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so he's an organic dairy. So okay. they use very, very little medication except for in those like extreme emergent situations. Yeah. So a tablespoon of pureed pumpkin in a calf's bottle helps scours immensely. 
It's insane. Interesting. See, I hadn't heard that one before. That's fascinating. Yeah. So it was just a tablespoon. And so I started putting a tablespoon in and then just shaking it up really good. And then he would just nurse and it would go in and that helped a lot. We saw a big difference with that. Now, how much Pepto were you using for him? What was your ratio? Was it, do you do that by weight? Oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure he was getting like half a bottle. I want to say, let me think about this. I want to say it was almost half a bottle that we could do. So he was getting almost a bottle a day at times. Okay. Depending on severity. Yeah. It was a bunch, a lot more than a person would would drink. I haven't had to use it yet, but when the ranchers were talking about it, I was so just shocked and listening to them. I had completely forgot to ask, well, what's the dosage? It's so I was curious yeah. what the reason for that. But the pumpkin, now that's new. How neat is that? And talk about really affordable pumpkin puree. Really? I mean, just a can of pumpkin puree. It's pretty easy. Pretty sure we all have that in our pantry from all the Thanksgivings where we've bought Way too much pumpkin for pumpkin pie. Well, because it goes on sale. You got to buy it. Exactly. I probably have 10 cans in my pantry right now. (laughs) Now you have a new use for it. Yeah. Now I'm going to always keep that on hand. Yep. Oh, that's fascinating. And then that product I had to look up. I always say it wrong. It's kaolin pectin. Okay. It's like cow pepto. And after the people pepto (laughs) stopped working, I did switch to that. I don't know that I really saw that big of a difference one versus the other. The kale and pectin is much more affordable. I want to say it's a couple dollars for a gallon of it. Okay. Yeah. So when it does, you know, when you are giving and you give them much less. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Of this one, I'm actually looking to see calves and foals three to four fluid ounces. So it is a lot less. Okay. I want to say I was giving eight ounces of the Pepto. Okay. Per bottle. Cause I think it's oh, in a 16 true. ounce thing I believe okay (laughs) what were some of the other things that you guys came across with little Hank he had chronic respiratory issues chronic I think he was borderline on the bubble in pneumonia when I did get a hold of him just because he was so weak so he would only breathe from his mouth we're gonna step back Hank had a lot of issues other than not getting his colostrum. He was born with no teeth. He was born with two sets of lashes on his upper and lower lids. He had severe contracted ligaments in the front and back legs. He wasn't right mentally. Interesting. <laughs> he was, like he was just like, for instance, I was going to wash his black water bucket. So I replaced it with a red water bucket and he did not drink water for days. So he had a, a lot more issues than just the lack of colostrum. Interesting. Okay. The respiratory issues were really interesting. I'm wondering if there was some sort of palate issue with the way he breathed out of his mouth. I don't know how I would have, I mean, aside from getting some sort of yeah. tool to look back, I'm not sure how I really would have been able to see that. Eventually his teeth did come in on the bottom, of course, um, and he stopped breathing through his mouth eventually. I'm not sure if that was a relief in what was going on in his lungs or a healing of whatever he was born with. I'm not sure. He was a real puzzle, but the respiratory issues were, I think, in the end what he couldn't defeat. Sure. Yeah. So we did LA 300. We did Exceed. We did Draxin. We did, I mean, we did everything. And the, the people that we were talking to that we learned about the Draxin from, they said when they get calves at the feedlot, if they can't survive after Draxin, then they're just not meant to survive. So that's just supposed to kind of take, it's the, it's the kill all. It's supposed to kind of knock anything out. And yeah. he, he would always improve after all of these tries, but he just never really completely got over it. And I don't know if that's because of the really early onset pneumonia when he was so little that his lungs just never healed. 
it's all a guessing game. It's all speculation. Oh, poor little guy. We had a dummy fall when I had my training facility and I had horses that were boarded on the facility as well. And this guy was breeding. He had three pregnant mares and he brought a stallion over too. And he was boarding them on my property. And uh, one of the mares went to foal and she had what we found out was a dummy foal. And I'd never encountered this before. And she was born with some severe mental challenges. She couldn't get up. Her tongue was hanging out. She couldn't nurse. It was the most bizarre thing I'd ever seen. She never tried standing on her own and she didn't live longer than 48 hours. And oh, we were at the vet trying everything. And the vet's like, I've only ever seen one other foal with this. And he goes, this is what you would just call a dummy case. And I'm like, a dummy case? And he's explaining it to me and he goes, there's no chance of this horse living a normal life. Even if the owner spent thousands of dollars trying to save her, there's no chance of it having a normal life. It eventually end up dying. And I'd never encountered anything like that, but I remember how heartbreaking it was watching this foal trying to survive. And then the mom, she, it's almost like she knew after about, yeah. it was like about 15 hours, the mom lost all interest in the foal. And it was almost like she knew. And it was like, wow, you know, just like mother nature taking its course. It was really interesting when we ended up putting the foal down at the 48 hour mark. She didn't even grieve for her. It was, it was just the most bizarre thing. And you know, they're rare cases, but when they happen, it's, you learn a lot from them. Yeah. But it's, it is heartbreaking. Yeah. And I suppose it's similar to cows having twins. And a lot of times a cow will choose what they believe to be the stronger twin. Yeah. So it had, I mean, it must've been some sort of, you know, their natural instinct. They know, all right, well, it's not going to, you know. Yeah. That is just wild. Isn't that interesting? Crazy. So you're talking about that, like the potential for like swollen brain and things like that. And I just learned while we were branding recently that calves can be born where their tongues kind of hang out and look a little swollen. And then if they've got that symptom, often it's accompanied by the hydrocephaly. So the water in the brain. Interesting. Yes. Which I didn't realize that those two went hand in hand, but we actually ended up with a product called the vet that we use. He, it's a cocktail that he makes. It's just, he calls it calf stimulant and it is epinephrine, dexamethasone, vitamin B. Okay. And the epi helps to reduce inflammation. So it can help with those calves that are born with that hydrocephaly, which I haven't encountered yet. I have used it on slow calves, calves that I've pulled that they're going to have some sort of, I mean, they're going to have some deficits after hard labor like that. And the vitamin B, like we talked earlier, jump starts their appetite and really gets them going. The epinephrine gives them that little woo. If you ever had epinephrine, boy, <laughs> it'll get you charged. <laughs> I had used it for that, for calves that were, you know, like that, the second calf we pulled, I used it on him just to help kind of combat any potential issues. And then on calves, I felt like, you know what? You're just not quite as aggressive as I'd like to see a so I'm going to trick you into thinking you're starving. And that seems to work really well. Oh my gosh. That calf taught you so much. He did. He taught me so much. So many things. There for a while, his appetite decreased to the point where he was... Something in his guts were right. He couldn't absorb the mineral that we were supplementing him with. We think. Again, it's all speculation. So we were giving him vitamin B injections every... I believe it was every five days. And as long as we stayed on top of his vitamin B, his appetite never went away. Okay. But as we tried to wean him off of the vitamin B, his appetite would disappear. Interesting. Yes, he was He was a good little teacher. He was a little bugger. He had the biggest underbite and his bottom teeth hung out all the time. Oh, <laughs> how cute. Yes. I mean, it's obviously a problem, but you know, it's yes. cute. His picture's but it's teeth. still adorable. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm so glad you brought all this up because I think 
we as ranchers just focus a majority of like the preparation on calving season and maybe the issues we're going to face with that. Cause I know I did, I was like, okay, what would I need for calving season? And maybe some of the issues you hear about a lot with calves. And I mean, we know it's coming every year, right? So it's kind of easier to prepare for. Yes. However, it's always a little more challenging, like with doctoring as you know, we never know what it is we're going to be dealing with or encountering, whether it's just a basic, you know, first aid for minor injuries or our routine maintenance care, or down to, we all hate them, but the emergencies you have to handle, you know, quickly and efficiently. Have you guys enjoyed part one of How to Vet Box with Jordy Lowe of Loco Cattle as much as I have? I can't wait for you guys to hear part two next week, where we dive deeper into doctoring your cattle and how to handle them during emergency situations. So be looking for that as we continue on this conversation. In the meantime, head on over to Instagram and give Jordy a follow and show her some love. Her Instagram account is at loco.cattle. That's at loco.cattle. And I will have that written in the episode description. I also want to take a quick moment to thank each and every one of you for purchasing, liking, commenting, sharing, my Get America Ranching Again apparel line. You guys are amazing and I greatly appreciate your support. This helps keep everything going over here at the Ranching Brunette and I greatly appreciate your support. All of the sizes are coming back in stock within the next week, so head on over and get yourself some if we were sold out of your size. Otherwise, I'll look forward to talking with you guys next week for part two with Jordy Lowe.